Broadcast Network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Where is it? Yeah. There it is. <laughs> Just a little bad to the bone for everybody. I didn't realize that actually that at the beginning of a song, I hadn't heard it, maybe I hadn't heard it in a long time, but this was actually bad to the bone. I got schooled a little bit in my musical. You did. It's okay. We forgive you. It's taken you a while to hear the beginning of that song. It's taken me a while, but today we're back after the first week of Hard Knocks. We're in episode two, bringing you everything Houston Texans. Hard Knocks HBO presents here at AfterBuzz TV. My name is Lindsay Wagner, and I am joined today by Frank. Frank, where can they find you on Twitter? You guys can find me on Twitter at Let's Go Frank M. And I'm also joined by Steph Z over there. Steph, where can they find you on Twitter? Hey, guys, you can find me at I-A-M-S-T-E-F-Z. I'd love to hear from you. And we've got Christina Kaplan as well. Hi. You can find me at Tina Cap. And I'm Lindsay Wagner. You guys can find me at Lindsay Wagner. Let's jump into our initial impressions about this episode and make sure if you guys want to join in on the conversation that you're using the hashtag ABTV Hard Knocks and we will converse with you, talk with you guys about whatever you really want to talk about. But hopefully it's more about football for this. So initial (laughs) impressions today, everybody. Well, I thought it was a really fun episode. I mean... Just to get initially from the beginning the preparation for the uh, preseason game, so we got to see the veterans, and, uh, you know, at the walkthrough at Energy Stadium, and they're behind, uh, they're down on the field without the grass being out. So I thought it was kind of cool. You get to see the stadium being prepared uh, before the game actually takes place, and then meanwhile you've got the rookies back at practice. So I thought that was a cool behind-the-scenes thing that we wouldn't see otherwise on game day or with a normal broadcast. So I think that's kind of what the magic of this show is, is that you get to see things that you otherwise wouldn't get to see. That was that was what struck me right away. Right. For me, my overall impression is that I don't know that you guys caught it, and I'm maybe really happy you didn't, but I kind of teared up during this episode. When Strong caught that pass, we're not there yet, but when he got like, I'm <laughs> really? so, so the moral of the story is I'm kind of falling in love with the Texans. It happens every season. I'm like, yes, no, I love him. I'll have a shirt within like two more episodes, but we're there. So. Yeah, I mean, I just think this season overall, I know we're only two episodes in, I just think it's already just a lot better not to say that last season wasn't good but I think just production wise the way that they put together the episodes you saw that uh, slow motion JJ Watt like pushing the guy to the side it was like such a dope like angle and just to slow it down and like that stuff like that I don't know I I think that just this season already is a lot better And I am not going to lie. I thought it was going to be very boring. The Houston Texans, I didn't think we're going to have much to offer, um, you know, excitement wise, but it's been great 
It's been great so far. I'm excited for the next couple episodes. I think with some of the players they've picked up and trades they've made, it's made the Houston Texans a little bit more exciting than we initially thought they were going to be. Last year, we did see, you know, with Atlanta Falcons, maybe they they did have some big players, but I feel like we've got real, like, J.J. Watt, Jadevian Clowney, now that he's going to be playing this year. We've got some, and Cecil Shorts coming back from Jacksonville to play. I think we've got some really good names here that are really going to bring the Houston Texans back up into an actual solid team that's going to get to the playoffs. And then we also get our first real behind-the-scenes look of Coach Bill O'Brien. I mean, he leads every he's led every episode so far um, with, uh, you know, last week he was talking with his coaches and with his team about what the NFL was saying about them. And then this week we get to see him at halftime of the first preseason game and he wrote down all the mistakes that his team made. And he's like, let's effing go. Let's get this, you know, get past this. Let's be a professional football team. And he adds another layer of excitement to the show. I think, you know, just like you were saying, I kind of came in with the same uh, feeling. Like, okay, what's uh, Houston going to be about here? They don't have a quarterback. Uh, Their stars are mostly on defense. But you have the added element of Coach O'Brien, who's really exciting to watch so far. Yeah, And I do. I I feel like that, again, to wrap it all up, they're doing a really good job to – get us they're showing us personality they're showing us players they're like we're bonding yeah. there's lots of team bonding going on and they're showing us that so it's almost like we feel like we're bonding with them absolutely and I think I love how they always hook us in right off the start yeah. like you said they're coming in right away talking about at halftime of the preseason game against the 49ers and Bill O'Brien is saying that they had seven shots at the goal line and didn't get it <laughs> yeah. they did not get in and this can't happen but I think that was one of the awesomest things, and I feel like there should be a quote every episode, the Bill O'Brien quote yeah. of the day, because yeah. I love him in that quote where he was like, let's just let him go for it. And because, and it shows you how much preseason numbers don't matter, but he wanted more for them to go for it and almost fail so that it would be good tape so that they can learn from it. So I really liked his call with that play. We need a Bill O'Brien quote. Yeah, Yeah, I think I have what he said later in the night. That would be the quote of the night. It needs to happen. So we obviously open with that. And then we see them. We see the vets at practice. They're doing a walkthrough practice. And we've got the rookies actually doing full contact and the um, uh, the full contact, full practice. And like Frank said, you know, this is before the turf and everything's grass is down. And we've got some players getting into the game for the first time, including Lyndon uh, Trail, who's the cornerback and a rookie, and he's just not getting the place. He's not catching on, and we've got Mike Vrabel just kind of laying into him. We know that he came back, came from the Patriots. He played for the Patriots in 2001 to 2008. He has a similar playing style to J.J. Watt, which is why I think um, they work well together, because he, during the Patriots games, played linebacker, but then would go in and play tight end like J.J. Watt, and actually had 10 touchdowns. There, So they've got that kind of similar mentality and playing style. So he's a great coach, but he's he's given uh, Lyndon Trail a little bit of uh, uh, heckling a little bit. What did you guys think about well, that? Well, yeah, he gave him the business. You know, he uh, he kicked him out of practice after two really bad plays that he made. Or, or he didn't kick him out of practice. He, he took him off the playing field and sent him to the sidelines to think about it. And then we see Lyndon Trail at dinner. Um, you know, getting, uh, you know, explaining it with his family. And so you see that, um, you know, what happens in practice and out there on the playing field affects these guys beyond just what happens on the field that day. They go home, they talk to their families about it, and you realize that, you know, their performance affects just not themselves, but 
the, he was there with his girlfriend and uh, and their, her uh, her daughter there, and they were all talking about you know what happened at practice that day and how frustrated he was. And like it is for a rookie linebacker, you know, you want to put your best foot forward every single day because you don't know if this is going to be your last day on the playing field. They can cut you at any time. Um, so I thought that was really interesting, um, you know, to see the rookies practicing while the veterans are out, you know, at the. Uh, at the stadium having a good time, and J.J. Watt and Vince Wolfark are joking with each other on the sideline. What do you think, Steph? No, I think with Trail, I kind of – I've always been a fan of the tough love, though. Like, I like the stern coaching style. Mm -hmm. I've had stern coaches all my life. I feel like it teaches you discipline. I feel like this – coddling people doesn't think work and and you can tell it is working because what I took away from when he was having dinner with his girlfriend is he was telling her he needs to impress the vets yeah. which is so true you have to earn the respect of your team yeah. in order to do good you have to have that communication you have to have that and it's not like he was turtle shelled up after he got the tough love like he was performing he was thinking about it so I'm a big fan of that I know nowadays like Sometimes it's like poo pooed upon, but like I really think that. <laughs> but that's, you know where you stand. That works. You know, yeah, you know where you stand with your coach. And I think last season with Atlanta, they were talking about how um, if the coach doesn't care about you, then he's not going to be talking to you. He's not going to be coaching. Mm-hmm. You. So to see that tough love, that's something that that I like in my work life with my bosses. If they're not hard on me and they're not trying to get me to perform better, then they really don't care, and you kind of get worried a little bit. But uh, but yeah, I totally agree with you on the tough love part. I think that was really cool. Yeah. And it seems Mike Vrabel really cares about these players, so he wants them to perform really well. We also see that a little bit later on in the episode with Charles James, the cornerback, kind of giving, um, which rookie was that? Uh, crap, which Number one Number 43. It? Number 43, Charles James, and Moore. Um, Corey Moore. Corey Moore. Yeah. He was giving him a little bit of stuff and being tough on him, explaining yeah. urgency is so important. You've got to go after it and say, you need to listen. You have to pay attention and listen to what I'm saying. And the guy was kind of just like ignoring him. But this guy knows. He knows what he's talking about. And maybe yeah. it's not coming from a coach, but this is coming from a teammate who wants to see you succeed. Mm-hmm. He only wants you to get better. He wants you to keep playing. He goes, you could be cut. Tomorrow, you can be cut. Mm-hmm. Let's make it count when we're here and do what we're supposed to be doing. Right. Cool. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about JJ and Vince <laughs> Wilfork. Obviously, That's they've right. got a great uh, relationship so far. We see them joking around a lot. They've been the, you know, in the football world for quite some time. That's They're both right. vets. They've yeah. been around breakfast. You know, favorite meal of the day, brunch, <laughs> all that good stuff. I mean, it sounded like Vince Wilfork's wife can make a mean croissant sandwich yeah, thing. Whatever good. he was explaining sounded delicious. And JJ's like, I want to get over there, and uh, that's what I want her to make. I'm coming over next time. We have some off time. I'm like, uh, I can know. I come? Can we do want to be invited, too? <laughs> I, love, I love Vince Wilfork's wife, too, by the way. I think she's so awesome. She's so we've, funny. We've seen a few, uh, you know, clips of her, and she seems like a really, like, she seems like the perfect kind of girl for him. You know, totally. like they complement each other yeah. really well. Like she gives him crap all the time and she seems like a real true, like genuine kind of down to earth kind of just chill girl. I kind of love her necklace too. Yeah, that's she's she rocking the chain. She's just so like supportive and happy. Like yeah. that's my boy out there, but totally she can give him shit. When she, she can. Wants. The that's bubble awesome. shoes, the whole like, yeah. you must stink and that's gross. She's funny. Yeah. yeah. She's really funny. Which is cool because it shows his character too. You know, yeah. I think they're a good reflection of each other. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think between J.J. Watt and Vince Wolfer, 
I think JJ kind of looks up to him in a way. You could see it during the episode. They're a lot of hanging out with each other. Vince seems to be more, a little bit of a leader, and I think because he's a champion. He's won titles with the Patriots, and now, you know, obviously that's something that JJ wants really badly. So I think that informs their relationship a little bit. There's there's definitely respect there uh, between both of them because JJ is the best defensive player in the league right now. But Vince Wilfork's been there. He's got his ice on his fingers, and um, you know it's something that JJ wants to learn from. Yeah, I think it's a mutual respect because yeah. mm-hmm. even though Wilfork might be more of a quote unquote vet, yeah. JJ is a little bit more boisterous and loud. So he's like, I'm just gonna stay in the background a little bit because I know that's what you need to do. But I'm right here if you need me. Like I feel like yeah. they have a really good relationship there, which again is lots of bonding on tonight's show. So I like. That. They both were captains of their teams, so you know they both have the ability to lead, and it, it, it is good because you're right. Wilfork does respect JJ Watt just as much as JJ respects him. Maybe looks up to him. Maybe JJ looks up to him a little bit more since he's been around longer. But uh, let's talk about. One of Christina's favorite players, Brian Cushing, who has no (laughs) filter. We see a little insight into his home life with his wife, Megan, and their two kids, Caden and Kai. And uh, both of them have similar head injuries uh, lately in the past year and stuff. We did see uh, Brian Cushing, obviously it was during the Browns game, when helmet to bare head. Smashed. I freaked out because it was blood. It's a little (laughs) crazy. Badass. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of—he's not my favorite. <laughs> he's totally not he my favorite. His swag, like on a personal level, he's an amazing player. But like, he's totally your favorite. So yeah. take it away. He's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> he's like—I just—I like that he's so confident in himself, and and it's not that it's not like he's being cocky because he's actually backing it up on the field like mm-hmm. when he said he called Alfred Blue out he's like come on Blue let's go again he wants to challenge him he wants to challenge himself so yeah okay you can see it maybe is a little bit cocky but he's going out there and he's proving it I understand he's what you're proving saying. his backing up his talk he's you know? talking so, the talk and walking it's the not water. all bark he's got a little bite in there too a little big bite <laughs> why did you say he forklifted Alfred Blue over uh, over the, the when they called him back out for the drill he forklifted lifted him because he did he took one hand yeah. and he threw him right over yeah. um, the, the quarterback um, pad there it was so funny to see that because he's like don't mess with me I'm the man I kind of like yeah. when he bumped into the guy and he was like I'm sorry I'm in that yeah I did that on purpose yeah. <laughs> Which is cool again, too, because, like, I give it to you. Like, he's light in his joking, but he's super cocky. But on the field, that matters. And he seems like a nice guy. Yeah. From a football standpoint, I noticed his read and react is instantaneous. Right. So important for a linebacker, especially in run support, to get to their assigned hole right away. They've got to fill their gap um, because a lot of times in the system that they're running on defense, those D linemen are, are trying to fill one or two gaps. So Cushing's got to get to his gap right away. And you can see it in practice in the footage they were showing us this week. He gets to his hole mm-hmm. so quickly. Right. I mean, he's right in there. And Coach Rabel was giving him praise. You know, come here, man. That was sick that you got there so quickly. And that's what makes him really, really good. That and like you guys said, he's pretty much a badass out there. So uh, he's a really high quality player. Well, and like you guys were talking about with our Cushing, Mr. Brian Cushing, we've also got him against practicing against Freddie Blue, who's going to probably be taking Alfred, over. Alfred, Alfred Blue. Freddie Blue. Alfred Blue. Alfred Blue. Alfred Blue. Yeah. Uh, taking over at the probably starting running back position as well. Looking good on the field. Do you guys think yeah. he's going to be taking over at starting running back, or do you think someone yeah, else has that there's spot? there's no other option yeah, except Hilliard, Hillard or whatever, who's uh, a rookie. But Alfred, Bru- Alfred Blue, Blue is... 
he didn't have a very great season last year. So they, the Texans are really going to miss Arian Foster. And I don't know. I mean, it was preseason, so you can't really put too much stock into his performance there. And the, the 49ers suck. So I'm sorry. So, yeah. um, I'm a little worried for them in their run game. Uh, it's not really looking that great, but you never know. You never know. Blue could, you know, right. rise up and have a great season. Luckily, they have some talented wideouts to kind of take over. And I think that Mallet and Hoyer are both pass heavy mm-hmm. quarterbacks. Yeah, I was so say that. that'll be, um, good for them. Beneficial. Yeah. With the loss of Arian Foster. So. It's we'll definitely see. more of a throwing game than it is going to be a running game. I mean, and they do have Jonathan Grimes in for third downs. So he's the other running back that they have backing up. So, I mean, which means can, nothing. Which means. <laughs> Who's Jonathan Grimes? <laughs> Just kidding. Do they call him Freddy, by the way? Did they I do miss? call him Freddy. Oh, I I've never that. heard That's that. Good. I didn't hear him call him Freddy before. They haven't done it, it. They haven't I mean, done it on the show, but last season when I was watching the games. Oh, okay. I, they called him Freddy Blue. Yeah. Okay. I like it. <laughs> so, um, another big thing we've got to talk about is the media. We understand how media heavy. You know, being in a sport is because we are now literally involved socially with social media and getting involved in the Instagram and the Twitter and people talking like that, as well as uh, camera people and reporters there. When I would go and watch Packer practices years ago, 15, 20 years ago, there was no media there at the practices. And we're talking about the Brett Favre, Antonio Freeman, Robert Brooks, Bill Schrader era, which for the Packers was a big like, this was when we were right. heading, hitting yeah. Super Bowls and stuff like that. So this was a big thing. There was no media. This was also 15, 20 years ago. Media obviously plays a huge... Well, not even the media. I mean, everybody can be a reporter now. I mean, mm-hmm. like, not to take a tangent, but the, yesterday, today, the Dallas Cowboys and the Rams got into a huge fight. There's people that are putting it up everywhere. So the media is super important. And again, it like, anyone can be a reporter right now, which is crazy. And we saw the cool, again, an, an amazing behind-the-scenes shot of Bill O'Brien talking to his team about yes. what to say to the media. And as a fan, sometimes I get frustrated when those guys give those sort of non-committal answers. I'm just here working hard, trying to get better every day. Uh, you know, oh, you know, they I'm just worried it. on me. But I get so frustrated as a fan. I'm like, tell me what you think about the You'd rather hear race. someone like Robert Griffin III, who says he's the best quarterback in the <laughs> NFL, when he is not. His rankings are horrendous. It's like, if you think about it from the head coach's standpoint. Oh, I totally get it. It, yeah. A lot of these guys need to just shut their mouths because, <laughs> yeah. and RG3 is a huge, yeah. perfect example for that. So I think, like you said, it's good to see the behind the scenes of that because you see these guys, a lot of like Jameis Winston is heavily coached every yeah. time he gives an interview. I just love the game of football. I'm just out here playing the game of football, playing hard. I'm working hard every but interview. That's so yeah. boring from a fan's point of view. Right. I, I get it from, from the coaches. Player, from a coach and from being an athlete, like you don't want to have that scrutiny because yeah. you don't say something the right mm-hmm. way and the media twists it in a bow and hands it to somebody else to run with. Yeah, because yeah, you could say something so innocent and they could turn right. it around and make this huge story about it and yeah. blow it up and then now you're in the yeah. middle of some yeah. media yeah. 
He drama. said you control the interview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I, uh, and you're right. It's to not cause extra distractions for your team. Um, I'm just saying from a fan's point of view, I like to hear what they say sometimes. I like RG3 getting a little braggadocious. It's, it's funny. It's interesting. Wow. Yeah, it's funny. It's comical because he's horrible. <laughs> I think the, the, the takeaway, again, from like the Bill O'Brien quotes is that he was like, the media is a conduit to the fans. Mm-hmm. So, again, he's looking at the big picture that we need to do this, but there's a way to do it that's not going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt me. It's not going to hurt the team. So just do it that way and listen to me, which is interesting because like... Like you said, a lot of people do get heavily coached. I'm sure every team gets that basic, like, shut your mouth. Mm-hmm. So it's like, when you do see these players come out and say these things, it's like, sometimes, what are they thinking? Yeah. Like, what are you thinking when you, like, you know this is, like, why do you need that? You got the check. You got the playing time. There's a scoreboard. Show it then. Be like Kush. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, and they do they do need to be coached on this because a lot of these guys coming up, this is their first time dealing with, even if they were in college, this is their first time dealing with media on a national huge level that's going right. to be going places. So they do need to be told. If you don't understand the question, don't answer it. Right. Just say no comment. It's okay. It's better to have. I know it's boring. <laughs> it's better for the team, the fans, to be in a neutral place. <laughs> so, uh, one of our, one of our big guys this season is going to be DeAndre Hopkins. And we see a little, uh, vignette of him out shopping. It's one of his favorite things to do, along with a couple of the other guys shopping for their kids. And one of the things that I enjoyed about seeing two of the guys shopping was saying they're going to dress their kids right from the beginning so they don't dress bad later. They're yeah, going to keep they're them talk- clothes. Because they both have daughters. That's what was keep the point. Keep them Yeah. I'm telling you, it's it's crazy out here in LA. I've I've seen lots of 14 year olds in clothes that, as a 25 year old, I wasn't wearing, and quite surprising. So start him young. Good stuff on that. I kind of like DeAndre Hopkins talking about his man bag. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and he wants to get a Yorkie to put in it. Yeah, he's, he's like, like it's very European, and it's so funny because I don't know. And I used to work in the fashion industry, but it's like it's a generic looking bag. Yeah. It wasn't super European. No. Like, it was a great, a great, fine, cool looking bag, but for him to go European Yorkie, love him. <laughs> love how that's what, like, that's how it made sense to him. And he's like, no, I'm going to say this. This is European. I'm going to put my little dog in there and I'm going to, I'm good. And like, one, I, one of the guys, so, I forget who it was, so was short, like, saying it's I'm going to no delete your zone. number. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to judge I'll, you, yeah. but I'll delete your number. Yeah. Which so is funny. just cool, again, showing that banter that these guys, it makes them more tangible, that these right. guys are just like, you know, you and I, everybody else, they talk about certain things. They talk about, you know, if they wear jock shops, like they talk about all this stuff, like normal people, but once they step onto the field, it's all business. Yeah. Which is great. Christina. He was on your fantasy team last year, DeAndre Hopkins. Yes. How do you feel after seeing the second episode about him stepping up, being that number one wide receiver? Uh, I think he's going to be great this season. Yeah. Uh, he looks very explosive. Like I said, last year he was a strong number two wideout and um, put up decent numbers. And now with the enhanced role for him and the way that he's been performing so far, I think he's going to have a great season. And like I said earlier – um, you know, pass heavy offense. I think that will, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say he's going to be like a top 10 wideout, but I think he has the potential to have a really great season. Yeah. It, it was interesting to see them taking the banner down 
in, in the episode, they were taking the banner down of Andre Johnson, who was their mm-hmm. last year and who has been right. their number one receiver for a long time, and up goes the banner for DeAndre Hopkins. So, um, you know, it, it's not always a guarantee that a number two receiver can just vault up to be a number one simply because the number one left. But after watching him uh, in practice in this episode, and especially during the game, he didn't catch a ball in the uh, in the game, but... Uh, He's pretty quick out there, and he's, he's getting very himself explosive. open. Yeah, he's yeah. getting so, and, and you don't need a ton of space, but he was creating a lot of a lot of extra room for himself. Yeah. So I'm starting to come over. I'm starting to believe a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I like him a lot. I think um, I think he'll have a great season. So no, I agree with you. Have um, you guys noticed how there? It's a little bit more. We're focusing more on the last two episodes, as far as I can tell, on the defense. Do you think it's because there's so many stars and vets on the defense versus the offense? Because they don't really have any super big offensive players. The wide receivers, the quarterbacks are coming in. You know, it's it's a new game for most. Of, do you it, think that's I mean, why? It could also be because they don't want to show their cards to everybody else. Like, every other that's team could be watching idea. it like this. You know, I mean, who knows if there was that much thought that went into it. But, yeah, and I, I think, too, like a few of us have said, thinking that watching the Texans, like, what are we watching for? So you want to see the J.J. Watt. You mm-hmm. want to see the clowning. You want to see those things happening because those are the players you connect with. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, you know, we've got quarterback competition, but it's not, That's like, right, super but, exciting to but watch. But we barely, <laughs> we barely heard from them. You know, you make a great point. We barely heard from Ryan Mallett. Uh, at all in in a sort of one-on-one interview setting in this episode and Brian Hoyer's appearance was super brief and normally the the quarterback competition would be the lead story right um, but we haven't really heard from them and uh, you know it's interesting it, it, it's it actually adds I think for me a little bit of element of mystery because we don't know exactly mm-hmm. how you know it's going to turn out between the two guys and we don't know what's going on inside of their heads so um, I think it works in a way because we don't get to see uh, them at, at you know every single pass or every right. single practice and what their thoughts on it were well I think that's very strategic because if they give these guys one-on-one interviews, they're going to have to elaborate on how training camp is going, how preseason is going. Right now, Bill O'Brien saying there is no clear starter. They're both neck and neck, and right. that's how he wants to keep it. And so they can't really, just like Steph was saying, they can't really show their cards. I think that is the main reason. Last year, obviously, Matt Ryan, there's mm-hmm. no question he was going to be the starter. So right. they could really focus a lot on him. Um, but I don't think that... I feel I don't think they're they're focusing too much on the defense. I feel like it's pretty even as far as last season went with the focus on um, each set set of positions. But I think also like you guys were saying, JJ Watt seems to be like the, one of the main focal points mm-hmm. of this uh, of the season. Obviously, he's you know one of the best players in the league and the best defensive player in the league, and so. With that, I think you kind of want to show his surrounding pieces. Right. And, and how last season we got that maybe from Matt Ryan more. Yeah, so but I feel like we, we saw a lot of the rookie linebackers last season. Yeah. So I think we're seeing that again this season where we've seen a lot of, uh, Hillard is the, I think he's the only rookie we've really focused on on the offense. Well, or Strong that they really touch on. Yes, I'm sorry. Jalen mm-hmm. Strong as well. Those are the only two really offensive rookies that they've focused on. Um, but 
it, it's hard with such a short season. I think they don't want to cram everything in, and they're kind of slowly developing stories and yeah. showing us as much as they can, really. And I think, too, if they had, if one of them, you know, if, if, as we talk about offense, usually it comes back to the quarterback conversation. If one of them was blowing the other one out of the water, it would be more of a story. But mm-hmm. because they're both kind of performing, mm-hmm. I think it's why, again, we're not seeing it so much yet. Yeah. I'm sure we will. Okay, well, let's get into the game, and we're going to talk about, you know, Hoyer and Mallet. We saw both of them play during the game. We also saw Jalen Strong and Cecil Shorts making plays. Mm-hmm. So let's get into some of the some of what we thought about this. Yeah, who's going to be quarterback? You know, I think it was either Christina or Steph that mentioned Brian Hoyer commands a little bit more than Mallet does. Was that... Which one of these? She said it last week. So, I mentioned it again today. You mentioned today. it this week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think so, we're on the same page. We agree. Ladies wow. are on the yeah. same page about... That, that rarely that happens. That does rarely happen. <laughs> yeah. On the same page about Hoyer. That she maybe stage right. He, <laughs> he may command the, you know, the, the huddle a little bit more. I just feel like Mallet's just more consistent. I like his arm better. Really? He couldn't get it in seven oh. times in a row. I, wait, wait, wait. He's... Mallet is a little spacey to me out on the field. He doesn't really, he doesn't have a strong personality, which is so important for a quarterback. You need to have a strong personality. You need to be able to take over. I mean, again, we don't know how they're editing this. We might be missing a lot of stuff uh, of Mallet in the huddle that could change our opinion. But from what we see, Brian Hoyer really steps up, commands the field. I feel like he's got much better precision in his throws than Mallet does. I agree with you. That's a fair point, and I think you, you're right. He got the first snaps in this game, though Coach O'Brien came out right after the game and said Mallet is going to start next week, so they're going to flip roles. Their stats were pretty similar. I mean, Brian Hoyer threw four balls, two were caught for 67 yards and a touchdown, that touchdown being to Cecil Shores that mm-hmm. we saw on the show. Beautiful. Just a perfectly on-time, over-the-middle slant route that was in between two linebackers in a zone D, and then Shorts blew by the rest of the guys and, and split two defenders. And then um, you heard on the show, Mallet completed his first eight passes. He ended up 10 of 11 for 90 yards. So there's still no real separation there. Right, but for me, it, for I don't know why, maybe I'm the only one that thinks this, but Hoyer's pass, he like laced the needle. So it's like yeah. that pass stands out more than a few passes that weren't as hard that are still on target. Yeah. For and me. I, and I want to get back. To be able to, in that pressure situation, again, goes back to Hoyer and his confidence to go for it and to make it and to have that yes. poise in the pocket. I kind of... And that's always been the wrap. That's been on the wrap with Mallet since he was at Michigan his first year in college, Arkansas, and New England, is that he didn't have the mental makeup to be an elite quarterback. And we see it a lot in practice. A lot of the clips that they showed in the show... He was like throwing his hand up, and you see him making mistakes, and it's clear he has the physical tools. I said last week he's 6'5", he's 240, and has the arm talent, but kind of like you were saying, he might not have the mental game to to be a starting quarterback. And Brian Hoyer, he had success in Cleveland when he was there. Uh, Him and Josh Gordon hooked up for a ton of yardage and a ton of touchdowns, so he has that presence in the huddle that you were talking about for sure. Well, also, Hoyer was in a very bad environment in Cleveland. Yeah. It was Johnny Football, Johnny Football, Johnny Football, mm-hmm. all the drama, mm-hmm. everyone saying how bad he was, how he shouldn't be starting. I think he's in a much better environment here in Houston, and I feel like he has the chance to really flourish and come into his own as a quarterback. And like I said, what we're seeing so far, I- I'm confident that he 
could uh, take the starting position once the season comes. I totally agree with you. Cleveland was a media circus back to the media. Yeah. So for him, that was just he totally got the, the short end of the stick with that yeah. Johnny football. I think if he can I think if he can find some chemistry with some of the wide receivers, he he will be fantastic. I just I liked Mallet's, you know, little quarterback sneak earlier at practice. I mean, those are also plays that need to be made and perhaps Hoyer's more confident. He went into New England he said it himself, he went into New England nervous and then was so glad he came out from learning from Tom Brady and being in that situation, going to Cleveland and now coming here. So maybe he will be more confident and just I'm interested to see how Mallet will handle starting next week and if the stats are going to differ or anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, right, wait, but even. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you can't really even put too much stock into preseason because they yes. go through about one, two, three series and that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, right, right. and then Tom Savage comes in and does his thing. So it's kind of hard <laughs> to go off stats, you know? Like, right. We were talking about it. At, uh, on the show on NFL preseason HQ, which you should definitely watch, um, they were talking about how the media, you know, has been judging Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston off of their first preseason games when they had a couple bad plays, but mm-hmm. really the sample size is so small mm-hmm. and they take it and they exacerbate it so much. So it's hard to really put a lot of stock in the stats. I think that we're lucky we're getting to see these practices and real behind the scenes stuff with it. But I will be interested to see how Mallet does as the actual starter this coming. It's interesting because you point out Mallet and taking that quarterback sneak. So for me, that was something that was completely went against his confidence because and how coach said it's third and three. Why are you doing that? And he's like, well, I thought that was the play. And I feel like Hoyer... And I could be wrong, but I feel like Hoyer would have been like, third and three, why am I sneaking not it? He didn't question it. Not the mistake one. Not the mistake one during the game, the one during practice. That oh, he did. Hoyer, still did, Hoyer scored game. a touchdown in practice, too, though. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. they both did. So, but yeah, like stuff like that shows his con- for me shows his confidence. Like if you like, no one would ever call that play in a game. So no. for him, and then he was just like, "Oh, I was just doing what you said, coach." Like, do you want that guy that just does what you say? Like, yes, to an extent, you want that, but you also want the guy that's confident enough to be like, "This isn't this isn't going to work." Right. You know? Perfect example. Aaron Rodgers would definitely not have done that. I feel like he, the elite quarterbacks in this league. Would have known a third and three. Why am I sneaking on a third mm-hmm. and three? Right. I'm not going to do that and make the right decision and probably be successful. And the coach would have been like, "All right, cool, good job. I'm glad yeah. you figured out." Or at that least out. time yeah. out, do something. You know, yeah. what I mean? like so, to question it. To That's show what I mean that he by like aware. he's a little spacey. He's a little, I feel a little like. Yeah, he's, a, he's still doubt, at breakfast. I doubt he'll do it again. I'm just picking. But. Well, one big thing Coach O'Brien talks about is consistency. That's going to be who plays the game. That's going to be who becomes the quarterback. That's going to be who becomes the starting wide receiver, you know, secondary, all that stuff. The fight between Jalen Strong and Cecil Shorts. Mm-hmm. And Jalen Strong is, I think, coming up and showing he's he could be a really, really valuable player. Uh, he made it happen when it counted. Mm-hmm. He couldn't catch him during practice, but that <laughs> but catch, got, that TD, that was when I teared up. I literally was like, "There we I'm got such it." A, I, just, <laughs> I get so emotional during football, but yeah, like that's that's what you want to see. You don't want to see the guys that are good at practice, and then when it comes to the game, they can't perform. They can't make decisions. They don't have confidence. You want to see the guys like when game time. Once that clock starts, they're in. Well, he's in a different situation too because. 
he does have DeAndre Hopkins and Cecil Shorts, and it's Cecil Shorts the third. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, there's <laughs> yep. three men in this world named Cecil Shorts. <laughs> yeah. But um, he has those two guys ahead of him, whereas someone like last year, Sammy Watkins, coming into the Bills offense, he was the number one wideout. Mm-hmm. And uh, Victor Cruz going down with the Giants, Odell Beckham Jr. became the number one wideout. So Jalen Strong doesn't really have that much as much pressure on him to go out there and perform I think he's kind of got just an average rookie year ahead of him where he'll get the snaps that he gets but it's not like he's he's a third he's the third string uh, wideout you know what I mean so it's a different situation for him but with that being said he obviously has to perform when the the time when when it matters like you said Steph and he did so yeah I'm pulling for him yeah, and staying on Strong offense, jersey. I want to briefly yeah. touch on the running game uh, because we didn't see a whole lot of highlights in this episode, but I've got the stats here. Alfred Blue had one really big run. He had a 32-yard run, which was great. But then other than that, other than that he had eight carries for 27 yards. I mean, what is that? Three and you know, three and a, and a tenth of a yard mm-hmm. per per carry. So, the uh, Arian Foster injury, which they covered last week, is is coming up big again. And you mentioned Kenny Hilliard; he had 13 carries for 39 yards, as three yards a carry. Uh, and then um, you know, the rest of these guys weren't really inspiring. So, do you? The biggest question for me with this team on offense is, and you guys have mentioned a couple times before, you know, Mallet and Hoyer are pass happy quarterbacks. Do you want these guys throwing that many times? I mean, they're they're brand. I mean, Mallet would be a brand new starter. Um, you know, Hoyer's been a journeyman so far. I think it'd be far more valuable to have a powerful running game if uh, you if had they could. A if you had good running, running back. back. Yeah. Yes, that's the issue that's what there. I'm I mean, yeah. and honestly, there'll be somewhat of a balance if you got two guys that can go three, four yards every single time. He'll they'll definitely be able to mm-hmm. switch it up, and he won't get like tired of throwing. But these guys, if they've got the receivers and they've got the arm. At the same time, you don't want to be predictable with the passing game, that it's always going to go to the pass instead of the run. So you do need someone that is going to pick up more than three yards on the run. And I do think that Alfred Blue is capable of that. I think he knows he's got to step up to that position now. He didn't, he didn't, I mean, he came in under Arian Foster last season, so I don't think that his confidence was there last season, him with Arian Foster going out with injury. So he didn't have a great season last season. But let's also, before we have to wrap things up, let's talk about Jadevian Clowney and his return, rehabbing, getting ready to come back to the game. This is a player that we saw last season during the Atlanta Falcons game that just knocked some plays. Like We were like, this guy is a beast. We could not wait to see him play. Then got injured and had to go out and get surgery, a micro fracture surgery on his right knee. And he's going to be coming back. This is huge for the defense. I'm really interested, honestly. I'm really interested to see how they're going to, um, what they're going to show us next week of him. Because if you have listened, um, there were a lot of questions about his work ethic and saying at South Carolina he didn't really have a good work ethic. He was just naturally talented. And that was one of the biggest issues with him coming in. Obviously, he got injured, didn't really get to see that. So I'm interested to see what we're going to see. We saw a little bit of him working this week, but it seems like next week they're going to focus a lot more on him. So I'm interested to see what they're going to show us. So is he going to like Bo Jackson it and not practice and just want to play the game? Well, no, his first day back, <laughs> we'll his, see. his first 
first day fully back was yesterday. So they came out with the news uh, yesterday. August 17th was always the day that they were going to bring him back. And they did. And, you know, JD is one of my favorite players ever. And I, and he shouldn't be because he rocked Vincent Smith uh, from Michigan. You saw the clip during the show. He knocked his helmet off, which sent him into orbit. And, um, and But still, he's one of my favorite players because he's such a nightmare off the edge. And uh, it was sad to see last year he got hurt in the first game of the season, and it sort of uh, you know it hindered him for the rest of the year. And then he had microfracture surgery, which I read is uh, a procedure in which tiny fractures are made in the bones around the knee uh, to improve your blood flow. So <laughs> apparently it's you know it's really serious, and guys don't always come back 100% healthy mm-hmm. from that. So. Uh, you know, to see him back out there on the show was exciting. I mean, he's such a such a dynamic player, and I well, really hope he comes back 100%. He has the potential, if he can, stay healthy to yeah. be one of the top pass rushers in the league. Yeah. yeah. And he's so young, but he's so dominant. It's just crazy. <laughs> so I really hope that he stays healthy because I want to see that. Yeah, wants- I totally want to see how that shakes out. Yeah, with him and J.J. Watt in the front seven with Cushing back there. I mean, hey, it could I mean, be This is a force nasty. to be reckoned with. Yeah. This could be – they could really, really stop, you know, the, the whole – last season when the Falcons were talking about, we don't want them to get points. This is it right here. Mm-hmm. That stops it right there. They stop the game. Those three guys, it's huge. Well, then, and then you have Vince Wolfork in the middle, too, mm-hmm. so we can't yeah. forget about him. And, and the rest of the guys, the supporting cast is great, too. So Let's – this, which brings us into them playing the Broncos right. next yes. week. So let's get into some predictions <laughs> next week since they play the Broncos. Uh, Who do we think is going to win? <laughs> Who's going to walk away? How's uh, Jadavian Clowney going to do? Think he's going to be making some plays? or I think – it's going to be uh, very interesting. The Broncos uh, now with Gary Kubiak running the offense over there, which is going to be a run-heavy offense. So it's going to be a testament to the Houston Texans defense to see how they do. So um, I'm definitely interested to see that because the Broncos have quite a few uh, relatively strong running backs in C.J. Anderson, Ronnie Hillman, Monty Ball. So... We'll see uh, how the, the the Houston defense does. I think, I don't know, it's hard for me. I can't really <laughs> decide who I think will win that game because there's so many variables, really. Mm-hmm. And preseason is just really hard to kind of predict because your starters are only in for so long and then it's kind of like just practice for the, the rest right. of the guys <laughs> to try to... You know, shine. No, I agree with you. You know, the Broncos have a few weapons on offense, so it's really going to put the D to the test. So I'm excited about that. I'm going to predict that that the Texans' defense will somewhat shut that down. Um, And I'm also going to predict that we're going to see Mallet do something that we're either going to (laughs) be— I feel like he's going to do something that we're either going to be like, okay— he does not have his confidence at all, or we're going to be changed. Like I feel like there's going to be so some play. In there's going to be a standout confidence make or break play that I'm looking forward to seeing. Like I feel like with him starting, it's going to be either like, oh wait, he's got this, or like, oh no, put Hoyer back in. Yeah. Are you going to give us a score or no? Nah, it's preseason. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter, man. I'm it's giving a score. Okay, right, I'm give doing us a score for I'm going to say it's going to be Denver 31, Houston 14. Okay. Ooh. 31-14 Denver. I'm writing it down hmm. right now. Okay. Um, you know, because I think this is going to be, like 
Christina said before, San Francisco is reeling from an, uh, a horrible offseason. Harbaugh's gone. A ton of their players retired and left, and, and they, they didn't have much on you. Arrested. They just fell yeah. apart. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm going to say Denver is going to win. That's a much more high-quality competition, and even though it's preseason, I have I think they have more quality depth. Uh, though I'm rooting for the Texans. You know, you fall in love with them watching this show, so I hope they perform well at least. I'm rooting for the Texans. I think Denver is going to squeak out a win. I don't think it's going to be as big a spread as okay. you said. Okay. I think that they're just gonna they'll, they'll squeak it out. What's the score? Uh, I'm writing it down. I'm not writing. I'm not giving you a score. You guys, no score here. No all but uh, <laughs> all right, you guys, we we do want to talk to you about one more thing. It's about the haircuts. So make sure that you tweet us using the hashtag ABTV Hard Knocks so we can talk about the rookie haircuts because that was a fun little thing. Yeah, tell us which one was your favorite. Which one yeah. was your favorite? Was it Friar Chuck? Was it? Spots, whatever it is. <laughs> all right, starting all the way over there with Christina. Let them know where they can find you. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Tina Cap. You guys can find me at I A M S T E F Z. And I am on Twitter at Let's Go Frank M. And I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Lindsay Wagner. Thanks, you guys, so much for watching, and we'll see you next week. See you guys. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz. See you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only. Do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.